Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. Welcome all of you watching online. Don't leave. Don't go to the kitchen. Go to the back. Stay right where you're at. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is the Christmas season, and uh, it's one of the most unique holidays of the year because it's not just a day, it's a season. And uh, gives us the opportunity then to really kind of, to the best of our ability, talk through or express what this season is really all about. So, Every uh, Christmas season, if you will, every pastor in the world's thinking, what can I say that hasn't already been said? Uh, what are the, uh, the scriptures in the Bible that talk about Christmas, if you will, not in that, that word, but that talk about the, the birth of Christ and the gift that uh, was resident in the person of Christ? And as I was praying through leading up to this month, like every other pastor, I'm thinking, I want to say something that, that might resonate uh, in a new way, a deep way, season. And as I began to pray through it, it, it landed on me that our mission statement, which is creating a culture of love, grace, and mercy, really is what Christmas is all about. When God sent Jesus, it was to create a culture on earth that first began with love. And uh, we know that God is love. He doesn't just love, but He is love. And that that is the most important part of our lives as Christians is not just to uh, receive the love of God, but to express the love that has been expressed to us. And, of course, uh, so many verses that I will refer to today in the Bible talking about agape-type love. As I've expressed throughout the month, for whatever reason, uh, talking about the Greek language and the types of love, uh, the love that I'll be talking about today is agape kind of love. It's not a phileo or an eros, but it's an agape, a God love, a, a charity type of love. And uh, so often in our world today, we love uh, others uh, as they love us, but that's really not what we're called to do. We're called to love others as God has loved us. So, uh, because you're not always going to be treated fairly. We're not always going to be loved the way we would like to be loved. We're not always going to experience love from the people we'd like to experience love from. And it's so easy to discard and disregard other people based on how they've treated us. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's very simple and very easy for me to write someone off. Not in a mean way, but, you know... If you don't love me, then, you know, it is what it is. And, and sometimes God says, you know, those are the very people that are going to give shape to your faith and your Christianity. 
because you have the opportunity to do what Jesus did, which was love a world that had, in large part, disregarded him and discarded God. And so uh, this holiday season, it will be difficult, uh, as wonderful as the season might be, and being around family and friends. Uh, I think sometimes it's very difficult when we think about those who have hurt us, those who have not loved us, those who have not expressed the love of Christ in our darkest moments. And it's very easy to get bitter. And uh, we're not called in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Galatians chapter 5 is what we know as not the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but the singular fruit. This is a uh, combination of the blessings of God in one singular word, the fruit. And I know this is kind of hard to take in. I did my senior thesis on this in college. It was very difficult as I began to study because I realized it's like, uh, it, it's, this is just like found. It'd be like having a, an apple, a pear, an orange, a pineapple, all concealed in, in one uh, singular fruit. And God is saying here, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, you can never love too much. You can never have too much joy. You can never have too much peace. Now, we've all been around people that we wish they'd dial it down just a little bit. You know, your happiness is just more than I can contain right now. Your joy is just beyond what I have the capacity to deal with right now because let me have my little moment of anger or whatever. But when you get around somebody like that, it does challenge our faith. It challenges our Christianity. It challenges us to be more like Christ. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. Now, this is a pivotal chapter between uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Maybe the most pivotal center uh, chapter in the Bible because you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit in 12 and 14. Now, all of a sudden, Paul messes things up and puts this in there because in our world, we, we magnify giftedness. We, we exalt talents. We applaud people who have some skill that we don't possess. And, 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 and all of a sudden, <clears throat> we get lost in the talent, the skill, the gift. And Paul brings us back home as the church at Corinth was going through all kinds of struggles and, and uh, carnality and immorality. And, and Paul is dealing with these issues. But as he's dealing with them, he introduces to us what's really important. And surrender my body to flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, this time of year, uh, it's a giving time of year. It's a, a time of year where we feel like if I could just give the right gift or the perfect gift, then everybody's going to be happy. And, and, it, and, you know, it solves a lot of problems and issues and maybe reconnects me in a relationship with somebody that I haven't been in a relationship with. So I'm going to give my way out of this. You cannot give your way out of what you walked yourself into if you do not possess love. You say, well, isn't it a good thing that this, uh, and I want to Thank all of you that participated in our Angel Tree Project. Every kid was adopted. Thank you very much. Every kid, uh, and, and on the hundreds that were on that list, they were all adopted, and I thank you for that. And, and uh, you know, sometimes, and please 
don't misunderstand me. I, I think giving is, even if it's wrong motive, giving is still a good thing. But it's good for the person that's receiving the gift, but maybe not good for the person who's giving it. So if you're giving out of guilt or, you know, you, you, for any other reason than love, it's still good, but it's not the best. Our motivation for everything we do in life, as much as possible, needs to be born out of love. God so loved the world, didn't say God saw such a great need in the world and God saw such corruption in the world. Or It says God so loved the world that he gave. It, the greatest way to do anything in our lives and the greatest motivation is love. Not guilt, not need, not even desire, but I love. And, and so it says love is patient. Love is kind. Now, these are two what it is. Now we go what it's not. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self king Now, we just, this has become the, the, the wedding scripture. And quite frankly, it sickens me. Because it's more attached to weddings than when I start reading it. You know it. Not because you've studied it. But because you've been to so many stinking weddings. That you've heard this over and over and over again. And it's so easy for the power of this verse. Or these verses to get lost. In a moment of somebody getting married. So when you are easily angered. That is not love. Some of y'all had it out this morning. <laughs> don't, don't, please don't admit it out loud. <sighs> I don't want to have to counsel in the lobby, you know. We do have security if you need help. Okay. It keeps no record of wrong. So whenever you, you know when you've walked out of love, when you get in an argument and you start bringing up the past. Boy, I tell you. There is, I, I don't even think dementia can take care of that evil stuff. It's like you can remember things that were wrong, but you can't remember the things that were right. Isn't that funny how somehow our soul has this Velcro to wrong? How quickly we forget the right or the love that has been expressed to us, but boy, we can remember the wrong. Love does not, delight, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In other words, it never gets exhausting. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, this is where Paul starts addressing giftedness, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. In other words, all the things that we prize, all the things that we applaud, all the things that we, we appreciate so much are not nearly as important as the foundation of love. And as Mosaic Church exists, it exists for the purpose of pray that they would experience would be love. That when they would come in and say, you know, everything wasn't up to speed compared to. But there's one thing I felt when I walked in the building was love. And can I say something to you? 
everybody wants to be loved and everybody needs to be loved. You know, a lot of single people, because they haven't found the right person, say, I don't need anybody. Yeah, you do. So if you're single right now, it's okay for you to say, I need somebody. It's okay for you to say, I need to be loved. It's okay. You don't have to be proud and say, you know, I don't need anybody. We were born to need each other. Two are better than one, for they have a better return on their work. We're better together than we are apart. And it's, it's so very interesting that we have our perspectives. And I'm going to share something that might be a little sensitive, but it shouldn't be. My daughter-in-law is black. And I've spent uh, the holiday uh, with my son and my daughter-in-law, whom I have loved from the day I met her. And uh, we were talking. We always have deep discussions because we, we don't hold anything back. It's like Jesse and I. We don't hold anything back. I don't have anything to hold back. And I was saying, you know, I said, I've never had a racial issue. Even though I grew up in a community that was very uh, prejudiced, very racist in my opinion, I, it just never got on me. And so I'm talking to my daughter-in-law, and my son is chasing my grandson around. And my daughter-in-law and I had a chance to talk, and we were talking about this. And, and I said, you know, it's, uh, it's strange to me. I said, I, I just never have experienced that. She said, well, and, and she's very loving. She said, it may be because you're not black. I said, well, explain that to me. She said, you know, when, when Chris and I began dating, she said, you have no idea how many times people came up to us and said, is this a separate bill? <laughs> they're engaged, they're married. It's almost like you, you can't be together type thing. And she said, when I was growing up in high school, she said, if a, a white guy wanted to, to ask me out on a date, oftentimes we'd date, we liked each other, but he'd come and say, I can't date you anymore. Because my, my, because my parents said I couldn't. Now, folks, let me just tell you something. That's not love. And what she enlightened me to was, you're seeing it through your eyes, and I understand you're not in, in issue with race or, or prejudice, she said, but when you see it through my eyes and, and things have happened like that, I said, you know, you've shed some new light on this. We all have an understanding. And, and the goal in life is not to attack what someone understands or don't understand or not to attack a perspective, but love the person giving that perspective. And it's always a delight to have conversation with people who are not easily offended, who will listen, who will try to understand, because that's what love does. When God looked at the fallen world, he didn't try to to make it right and correct humanity. He said, the only way humanity will ever be corrected or fixed is if I show them love and, and demonstrate love without expecting anything in return. There will be this holiday season gifts that you're going to be given that you like. There'll be gifts that you're given that you like. What were you thinking? And a lot of times we will measure love by what someone gives us or by a gift. And Paul is saying in this sense, a spiritual gift uh, is not more important than the love behind that gift. The, the gift under the tree is not more important than the love with which that gift was given. So my prayer would be this holiday season that as we give and as we receive, that we look more at the love behind it than the gift in the box or that's wrapped. So number one, love is essential. It's, it's not optional. It's essential. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Luke said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? I hate it when Jesus puts stuff like that in the Bible. Because it's real easy to love people that you really don't love this holiday season. Silence. What would happen if you had a known enemy at work or in the neighborhood? What would happen if you just decided, I'm going to get him a really good gift because it's motivated by love? I want you to find somebody you've had a hard time loving, and I want you to love them. That's not even hard for me to find. <laughs> I'm a pastor. People spend time sending me emails to let me know what they think. <laughs> You're not so blessed. I have a lot of opportunities. And I say that tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but the reality is in my world, it is what it is. Anytime you stand up and you share an opinion, an idea, a theological perspective that someone disagrees with, they're going to make sure that you, you know how dumb you really are. I tell you what, there are more Jesuses in this world than I ever dreamed of. Or at least they think they are. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you that you even sinners love those who love them? And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. God raised the bar when he sent Jesus. So how do I know if I'm loving? Well, first off, love builds up. Don't speak to, to people where they are. Don't speak to people where they've been. Speak to people where they can go. Look at them at the per, as the person they want to become and the person you'd like for them to become. If you call somebody stupid and they already know it, but if you say, you know what? You're just so brilliant. You're so kind. And you start telling them that, they'll scorn you in the first few days, weeks, or months. But over time, they will begin to believe what you're saying to them because words begin to give shape to the image we have in our soul if you don't like the way your spouse is right now speak to them as the spouse you'd like to have and eventually they'll become that I tried that one day it's going to take more than a day pilgrim <laughs> and guess what if they never changed the fact that you're saying it also edifies you and builds you up because you're saying what God would say in his word about people. Now, some people say, well, you know, uh, if I love them that way, I'm endorsing their sin and stupidity. No, you're not. You're just accepting them as the person they are, but speaking to the person they can become. And that takes love. And love is never easy, in my opinion, because it works against 
the fallen nature that we all possess. So I'm not suggesting this is easy. Love is a sign that you're a disciple or a follower. Jesus said in John chapter 13, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The world's not going to know you're a Christian because you can memorize the Bible. You don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew. Because that's how the church identified Christians in the early days. What would happen if we started identifying the church by people who love one another? Instead of judging what people do, start speaking to who people can become. Too often, people measure whether or not they can serve in the church at what level based on how good they are, how gifted they are. Instead of saying how loved they are. I'm loved here. I'm accepted here. We don't endorse everything. But we love everyone. And this is the challenge because so often we confuse the two saying, well, if I love them, when they're behaving the way they are, they might become the person and continue to be that person. I would argue that if you love them the way they are, they might become the person they want to become. Because love opens the door for the person who is love, which is God. Love is the only thing that will never fail. According to 1 Corinthians 13, it's the only thing that will never fail. Love covers sin. It doesn't expose it. Listen to this. Above all, love each other deeply. Now, this word love that I'm using here is agape, by the way. It's not eros, it's not phileo. It's, it's agape. It's not a, I can't love you as a friend and hope for you to become the things that you want. But I can love you the way God loves you and you can become that. But where there are prophecies, they will cease, yada, 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 never fails. Above all, without ceasing, love them fervently because love covers over a multitude of sin. When God sent Jesus into the world, he didn't come to point out the sins of mankind. He came to reveal who he was. Not who they were, but to reveal who he was and who he is in the face of fallen humanity. Now, this is very hard because if you take me back 30 years, I probably did not practice this well. I practiced disciplined things. I was disciplined in my Bible reading. I was disciplined in my prayer. I was disciplined in my preaching. I was disciplined in all these things. And I did them to help other people. But I can't say that I did them with the same understanding that I possess today. What I possess today is a real heart to see, see people's lives become who they want them to become. It's not a feather in my cap if people say, well, you have a great congregation and they're this and they're that. That's a credit to you for hearing God's word and practicing God's word. It's not a credit to me. Now, hopefully, the only credit I would be able to say is that I'm going to preach a message of love, grace, and mercy, and that's never going to change. And grace irritates the snot out of religious people. Because religious people are always keeping record of right and wrong. Religious people are going to watch not by do acceptance of Christ, but by your behavior in the world. And you say, well, there is continuity, a congruency in, in, involved in that, and certainly there is, but, but 
I tell you what, I know people that do things that, that I might disagree with, but, but I always watch them treat people well. So which one would I rather have? Someone who was perfect in their actions, always doing what I think they ought to do, or someone that I watch every time they connect with people, they love them. I'm going to take the love. I'm going to take the person that, that constantly, continually, consistently, regularly treats people with love and respect. Secondly, love is effectual, which means it's able to produce the desired effect. Gifts have no spiritual effect in the life of the church if there is no love. For it is love that the Spirit uses to build the church. Love builds the church. Now, we often make decisions not by the leading or prompting of the Holy Spirit, but we make decisions by our feelings or our emotions. We make decisions based on those things instead of saying, Holy Spirit, I don't know why you're having me do this. I wouldn't do this, but I want to honor you. Before church, I, I try every day to pray, God, I am surrendered and submitted to your word and your will. Because I, I need to be surrendered so that when I stand up here to preach, Jesse will tell you, while you're preaching, you got all kinds of self-thoughts. Things you'd like to say, gift of sarcasm rises up immediately. All kinds of gifts surface up here that we're suppressing. Things I want to say that I can't say. Not that I really want to, but my flesh wants to. I got some good stuff. No, I can't come on with it because it'd be sin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. You have those thoughts. Every one of you do. You have thoughts. You go, where'd that come from? That's not me. <laughs> You're right. Could it be Satan? Hmm? I mean, folks, let me tell you something. If we even acted on 1% of the thought, it is a battle in the mind. To think right, to speak right, to process right, to love, it takes work. <sighs> Made from the ingredients God created. Remember the story of Naaman? Naaman had leprosy, he was high in a position of authority. And <clears throat> he was, you know, obviously wanted to be healed because he was going to die. A little Hebrew slave girl that now, now it says in the Bible calls her a slave girl has been held captive and servant in the household of Naaman. That means that she had no freedom. Whatever they told her to do, she did it. Now, if I'm that slave girl, if you're that slave girl, that slave uh, son or guy, whatever, what would your flesh think if, if your boss got leprosy? Karma! Die, sucker, die. If he dies, his wife might let me go free. That would be the human thought, would it not? I mean, I think it would be that, that you know, God's taken up for me. My boss, the, the slave owner, has leprosy. I'd be walking around the house singing. slave girl goes, there's a man in Israel that if you will go to him, 
He can speak over your life and you can be healed. This is effectual love because it goes outside of the bounds of our natural thinking to think, I want him healed. He's holding me captive. I'm a slave. I'm a servant. I have no individuality or self-identity. I am a slave girl held captive in the house of a foreign nation and a foreign man. And I'm telling him where to go to get healed. Folks, there's no greater love than that. You're holding me back. You're holding me captive. I'm imprisoned by your desires. And she tells Naaman where to go. The king of Israel is frantic when he finds out Naaman's coming to them for healing. He's, what have I done? And, and not thinking about the prophet that Naaman would go to. That would say, we, we look at the prophet. We look at Naaman. And we look at all the big names. The king of Israel. The king of Aram. We look at all. But, but the, the, the reality. The greatest character in this story. Is a little slave girl that decided to show effectual love to someone that was imprisoning her knowing that it's possible that him getting well would mean that she would spend the rest of her life a slave instead of the possibility of becoming free we live in a world where you're sitting here right now thinking about a Christmas gift while I know you're listening to me, you're on your Amazon Prime app. You just thought about a gift that you got to get somebody. And I'm going to tell you, it's shocking to me that you're going to have it tomorrow. I'm thinking, how do they do this? It, the world's moving so fast. And we think that doesn't affect me. It affects all of us because we want everything in our life to be next day delivery. I want my husband changed. I want my kids changed. I want my wife changed. I want my job changed. I want my boss fired. I want a promotion. Everything's like this. Why can't I get this? There is no promotion prime. Only Amazon prime. And your husband might be an idiot just for you. Because God's working on you. And you think God needs to be working on him. No, God's working on you. God's anointed him to be an idiot for the moment. Because you need to learn patience. You just need to pray. Kiss him and love him. But he's an idiot. Thank God's. You probably don't want to say that because that kind of cancels out the other but the reality is sometimes people are the way they are and we're praying that they will change when God's saying but but I'm using them to help you you look at you look at Pharaoh and Moses Moses was growing in his faith and confidence every time he had to approach Pharaoh that God would deliver the people of Israel and it said God changed Pharaoh's heart Moses could have been mad at Pharaoh. But I believe every time there was a challenge, Moses was getting bigger in his faith. But we have to maintain love. Love is patient. 
Never simmers with jealousy. Love is not boastful or proud. Love is not rude or self-seeking. Love is not provoked, nor does it harbor evil thoughts. Christian love shows no irritation as the flesh too often does. Love does not keep account books of the evil things people do or hurts received from them. In fact, love is never glad when others get involved in evil, but love is always glad when others are walking in truth. Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls, when he stumbles. Do not let your hearts rejoice. Now, we've all been through things that we wish and somehow we include God in it anything my prayer has always been anything that was stolen from me God bring it back anything that you remove from me please keep it because you didn't want me to have it it's a hard prayer to pray but I found it the easiest way for me is to trust God that whatever belongs to me because the Bible says, though, the, if you, the enemy's caught stealing, he has to pay back seven times. Well, we, sometimes we don't know who the enemy is. And we don't know whether it is the enemy or not. There are times that we struggle, as Jesus did. And the Bible says he learned obedience through the things he's suffering. Quickly ask the question, God, what do I need to learn through this? Didn't say God caused it. But God, in the midst of my suffering, what can I learn? That sometimes love doesn't come easy, but it will come if we are patient. Last thing is love is eternal. First John three eighteen says, For faith, hope, and love, these abide forever, and love is the greatest, for God is love. So love is eternal. It's not something that will pass when time passes, when the world is no more. Love is eternal. That's why love is so critical, that this is a practice run on earth for us. It's going to be interesting when we get to heaven and we see people that we wish had not gone. Now, you'll never wish that out loud, but isn't it going to be interesting to see when we get there that possibly if our thoughts were really known... And if God really, I think, has a sense of humor, they're probably going to be your neighbor forever, forever, and forever. Maybe they'll mow your lawn. Since our acts of love are or affect the eternal, every decision we make, we make with the eternal effect or impact in mind. Love is the primary ingredient needed for growth and as we grow. If there's anything, it's not that you need to be more gifted, more skilled, more talented. Not, not at all. We need to be more loving. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the, in the truth. And some people really enjoy speaking the truth but not in love. Truth cuts two ways. You can cut away the bad, 
or you can cut away the good. If you, so how do I cut away the good? By cutting people down, by cutting who they are, what they've done, addressing that. Instead of addressing the impact of the decision they made, you address the person. Let me tell you, we have to learn to separate the sin from the sinner. Because it's very easy to hate the sinner when in reality we hate the sin because the sin is what destroys the child of God, the person Jesus died for. Love does not rejoice when other people are damaged or hurt or flawed. Something happens, circumstances. Yeah, you know, there are consequences. If you go 85 and a 35, you're probably going to get a pretty big ticket. But at the end of that, once that ticket's paid, don't keep bringing that ticket up. Well, you're an idiot. You, you, you cost us $500 because you're speeding in a 35-mile-an-hour uh, zone. You're going 85. It's reckless driving. You have to go to defense. And you keep bringing that up over and over. It doesn't help anybody, and it doesn't heal anybody. What heals people is when you start talking to people about who they're becoming, not who they've been. We all need to keep track of that. And not just others. Matter of fact, most of the time, we're our own worst enemy. Not other people. We are. We keep thinking about what we've done instead of what Jesus did to take care of what we did. First John 3.18 Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. When, if you really love somebody and they do something wrong, say, so you know... I love you, and if you continue this behavior, it's going to hurt you, and I don't want you to be hurt. You don't have to look and say, you're so stupid. Why do you keep doing this? If you keep doing this, here's what's going to happen to you. Say, you know what? I don't want you to keep doing this because I love you, and I don't want to see you go through the pain and the suffering that you are creating by your own choices. Ish, that you knew at 25 what you know now. I don't know why God does that. But I spent so much energy on things that I thought, God, I got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you try to fix everybody. You try to fix everything. And, and before you know it, you've made things a mess. You've taken the situation apart, and you cannot put it back together. Love never fails. This holiday season... And trust me, people, when I speak to you, I'm speaking to me. I don't like the you. I like the us, we. It'd be better for me to not drive in the month of December. You know. Because I'm telling you, there is all kinds of demonic, stupid, unleashed on the streets of our city this time of year. No, you take the space we're both waiting for. <laughs> that I was here before you. Somebody butts in line in front of you, a holiday shopper. They grab the last toy that you were headed to get your kid, and you fight over it. Maybe y'all don't, and maybe I'm the only sick one in this place. <laughs> I don't have those issues anymore. <laughs> I've got new ones. <laughs> Isn't it funny? We, I got rid of those. Yeah, but the devil's faithful. 
to come and destroy your life with new ones or attempt to. This is why you say, what do I do with all of these issues? Find a way to love. Find a way to express that love when you have to communicate, speak the truth in love. Make it redemptive. Don't make it mean. And I can tell when I'm out of it. It's real quick for me. And sometimes I respond quickly to it. Sometimes I don't. But I want to always love. So this holiday season, let love be at the front of everything we do, everything we say. When you go to park, when you're buying gifts, when you're having to be around people you don't like being around, and you will be around those people because there's, you know, there's one in every family. Some families are blessed to have a couple. They just exist. And if you just smile, they'll for sure think you spiked the eggnog. Just tell them, no, it's the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You are an awesome God. We love you so much. And we thank you for this day that we have the opportunity to become more like you. Every adversity, every difficulty, every opposition is an opportunity to become more like Jesus. The heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask all of you to pray this with me. We don't want anyone to leave without having an opportunity to receive Christ. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not all who act right. Not all who do right. But all who believe right. And if we believe in him. We call on his name. The Bible said we'll be saved. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, those of you watching online or in-house, please text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. To 405-513. Please take the time to do this. Believe it or not, when you push send on your phone, you're going to feel a difference that you took a stand to believe in Jesus and you acknowledged it. Just do that right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.